Welcome to Booked, where two guys tell you about the books they're reading. I'm Livia Snedden. And I'm Rob Olson. The book that we're going to be talking about tonight is Glimpse by Jonathan Mayberry. Um, this is uh, review number 249, if I'm, if I'm, not, if I'm not mistaken about oh. that. That means Ooh. that means I think I know what we're reviewing next week. Yeah, yeah. It just uh, all, right. it all clicked into we'll place. Not derail this, but yeah. <laughs> if it's if it's book number two forty nine, then we know yeah. what our next book is. Excellent, because we didn't have anything for next week. Yeah, we just so solved in the moment. We just solved that. Uh, so here is uh, the bio for Jonathan Mayberry, and then Livius has a very very long synopsis to share with you. Jonathan Mayberry is a New York Times bestselling and multiple Bram Stoker Award winning author of Joe Ledger Unstoppable. Knights of the Living Dead Anthology, Dogs of War, Kill Switch, Predator 1, Code Zero, Fall of Night, Patient Zero, The Pine Deep Trilogy, The Wolfman, Zombie CSU, and They Bite. His work for Marvel Comics includes The Punisher, Wolverine, Doom War, Marvel Zombie Return, and Black Panther. His Joe Ledger series has been optioned for television. Has it? Um, I, according to this, um, I don't know if anything's going on with it. I do remember being really excited about that news, but I feel like that was like a couple of years ago. So I, I'm not sure, like, I mean, oh, yeah. has been optioned for television. It will always have been optioned for television, right? Even like 50 years from now. I just don't yeah, know even if, it's if it actually... never gets developed. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. um, you know, some disclosure, we did review fall of night here. Very favorably. If I remember correctly, way. Oh uh, yeah. We dug that. Yeah. Way back when, in way back in the like one hundreds, I think of uh, of episodes, right? Yeah. Um, and I read probably the first four, I think, Joe Ledger books, which I really enjoyed. So reviewing another Jonathan Mayberry book was not a stretch for us, um, but there's a reason. This is the final Bram Stoker nominee for novel of the year that we hadn't read. Yeah. So we are now probably better verse than most people that are going to be at the Bram Stoker Awards is my guess. Yeah, and I think for the first time in our career as reviewers, we can make an objective decision about a category like this. Pretty sure this is a first. <laughs> for sure. We may save that. I don't know if we'll do that tonight. Maybe we'll have to do our own Bram Stoker Awards right around that time. We'll see. There we go. Yeah. But tonight, it's all about glimpse. And here is the synopsis. Rain Thomas is a mess. Seven years an addict and three difficult years clean, racked by guilt for the baby she gave up for adoption when she was 16, still grieving for the boy's father who died in Iraq, alone, discarded by her family with only the damaged members of her Narcotics Anonymous meetings as friends, them and the voices in her head. One morning, on the way to a much-needed job interview, she borrows reading glasses to review her resume. There's a small crack in one lens, and through that damaged slice of glass, she sees a young boy go running down the aisle of the subway train. Is he screaming with laughter or just screaming? When she tries to find the boy, he's gone, and no one has seen him. The day spins out of control. Rain loses whole chunks of time. She has no idea where her days went. The voices she hears are telling her horrible things, and even stranger things are happening. Unsure whether she is going insane, Rain sets out to find answers to long-buried questions about an earlier life she has avoided for years, in what may be the most dangerous collision of all, that between reality and nightmare. How far will one person go to save someone they love? Read on at your own peril. There's a mouthful. It is a little bit of a mouthful. Um, let's start with that synopsis. I don't know who writes synopses. <laughs> I don't like that one at all. I feel like it's one of those where um, it, it doesn't, it does that thing where it tries to tell you the story without spoiling the story. And so it's not necessarily representative of like the bigger points of the story, like that kind of thing. Yeah. 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 Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's definitely, it's, it's, it's tries to be spoiler free. It's also a little inaccurate. Um, yeah, but it, yeah. So just, I, I, before we even get into the story, right? So it's like she has no idea where her days went, plural days. I believe she only loses one day and she doesn't lose any time after that. So yep. I talk about her losing whole chunks of time. So, I mean, there's, I don't know. Um, again, can't judge a book by its synopsis. Oh, <laughs> um, that's good. But you can't judge a book by its back cover. Ooh, I like that one too. Ooh. Can't judge a book by its back cover. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. That just didn't. And uh, again, full disclosure, 
I also, again, did not read the synopsis before starting this book. I had literally no idea what this <laughs> book was about. But the synopsis in my head would definitely be a little more indicative of the type of thing that happens here. I actually did read this synopsis. Um, so it helped me kind of. Ha- Here's what I'll say. Having read the synopsis and then read the book, I feel like I was less. Uh, I, I, it was easier to, to suspend some of the disbelief because I do types of things that were going to happen. So it was helpful in that sense. Um, so, but I guess, again, proving, I think we've said it before, the synopsis is for somebody who has not read the book as opposed to somebody who has read the book. For sure. So I don't know. Like we try to, we really, really try to stay within the bounds of the synopsis and not spoil things. But yeah. I don't think that's really possible. Um, in order to be fair to the story and to give you guys kind of our, our take on it. Um, mm-hmm. And, and I, I'll say it, both the good and the bad. Now, I don't know how much, you know, when I get down to nitty gritty, how much of that's going to have to be over in spoiler talk. How much of it can be here? But we do start off. Right where uh, right where the synopsis does, uh, we're introduced to Rain Thomas. She is in her uh, in her mid to late twenties, um, and she's a little down and out. Former uh, recovering drug addict, um, she basically we start off with her. She wakes up uh, late for a job interview, encounters some really really weird shit. Now I guess because this is like page four, I think this isn't going into spoiler territory, but she goes in to use the restroom or to the her bathroom, and she thinks. And it's pretty sure that there was somebody in the shower. So, I mean, right page mm-hmm. one, boom, we jump into some weird shit. So, yeah, not too long into the book, it, it, we introduce some creepy stuff. And it is actually so um, without going too much into the scene, uh, it, it's one of those things where like uh, and this is the kind of thing that freaks me out probably the most. So I really enjoyed this scene. Um, I'll lay it out a little bit. She's in the bathroom and letting the shower warm up and then. Uh, like the the shower curtain keeps flapping open and like spraying her with the cold water, and so she like goes to hit the shower curtain back so that it doesn't flap open again, and something really creepy happens that just totally freaks her out in a way where like days later she's still inspecting the bathroom to see if anything's in there. So, um, a very effective way to introduce like some of like the kind of dread, um, and uh the way that the bad thing that happens in the story is invasive and, and there's no place in your life that seems safe. Cause like you're very vulnerable in the bathroom and uh, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't mean to laugh, but I know we've talked about it on the podcast before <laughs> and hearing you say you're vulnerable in the bathroom is somehow so much funnier than anybody else saying it for, for people who don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> And and I'll give you a chance to correct this, but I'll say it the way that I see it. Rob refuses to use like a communal bathroom. For number two. For number two. If whenever it has come up about like if Rob and I are somewhere and I go to use the restroom, like when I come back, if he has to use the restroom. He always needs to know, like he'll ask, like, is it a one person restroom or not? Yep, absolutely. So, and, and I'm fairly certain knowing you and then knowing like the quirks that I have that might be like the same type of quirk. <laughs> it's you probably have a mental map like of your whole neighborhood or like places you go where you know which bathrooms, which places have the, the oh, right kind of bathroom. It's Starbucks. Starbucks. Yeah. If if Starbucks stopped selling coffee today and only sold like tea and biscuits and stuff like that, I would still go there all the time because. Their bathrooms are amazing. Their single locking bathrooms are always very clean. Uh, and they usually do the air blowers instead of the um, right. paper. So there's right. it's it's touching things, I think, is the big problem for me. Because I, I don't like <laughs> if it was like an office and like I worked with five people and the bathroom was only used by those five people, I think I'd be OK with it. But it's like strangers mm-hmm. Touching things that I have to touch is just something that I cannot, I can't abide by. So, so at any rate, just, <laughs> I'm sorry. Just the way you said it was like, that's where you're the most vulnerable. That just kicked me into this. You're like, yeah, especially Rob. In the rain in this book. I just got an insight into Rob. So. Yeah. It's always my life that gets weirdly exposed. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, you know what? It's, um, uh, well, it's easy. That's that's the key, oh, I think. So, yeah, um, yeah. 
but no, what you said is true. It does start off in a, in a very creepy fashion um, and then kicks into, you know, it's normal mode, right? So we have a character who is not really dealt um, on the face. This is not built up to the supernatural shit that's happening in her life, right? And we're not going to get into it a little bit, but I'll say just her life has been pretty day to day. Um, she does suffer from some like weird dreams, basically. But now she's starting to see things. Things are happening to her in her waking life in reality that, you know, could be dismissed as she was a little crazy. She imagined it or whatever. But then we start to build and she starts to investigate, you know, what's real and what's not. And that covers, you know, the first few chapters of this book. So one of the main plot points of this story for Rain uh, herself, but then also other characters that we're going to talk about in a minute, is the fact that she's a she's an addict. Um, and I was going to say recovering, but she's been sober for some time, uh, in the, in the story that we're reading. Um, but her addiction is something that is a big part of her life. Uh, in the, in the synopsis, uh, she talked, it talks about her giving up her baby for adoption. Like in the past, after giving up the baby, she kind of fell down a hole of, of addiction and stuff like that. And when we get to her, um, she's, she's, sober but you know obviously still it's never you're always an addict once you're an addict that kind of thing i don't want to go into how i feel about 12 stuff programs and stuff but that's basically where she's at um and that uh the other thing that's mentioned in the synopsis is the losing time thing and so in the beginning of the book very very close to the beginning of the book um she loses some time and it, it causes her to to miss a job interview and kind of sets off this bad series of of you know things for her in a way that makes her not only it put her, puts her more in a situation where she's more likely to go back to using because all these big negative things are happening but then it also makes her look like she is using to the people in her life so early in the book um she because of all this negative stuff that's happening she meets up with some friends at a diner and she's w- worried about talking about the supernatural stuff plus the, the losing time and stuff because she's she's obviously worried that people are gonna believe it's because she's she started using again. So that group that Rob was talking about, now I'll name them. Um, they're Yo-Yo, who is a, a black lady, um, and there are two Bobs, Gay Bob and Straight Bob, um, and these are people she knows from her um, from her recovery group, um, and they go out frequently for coffee or dinner or whatever together. So yeah, there's a. There's that concern that she has, which is a true concern, because if you've lived a life that um, makes you do crazy things and then obviously you're hanging out with people who have been around that themselves. Like if you start talking about shit, like I put on these glasses and I see people that aren't there. There was someone in my shower that could certainly lead to some uh, some judgment and accusations about (laughs) things you may or may not have been doing. Um, but those those characters figure pretty prominently as Rain. Um, I don't remember if this is in synopsis, but basically Rain's situation tends to drag in everybody around her. And I'll mention another character while we're doing that. She has a, you know, call it a booty call, um, not a boyfriend, but a dude she hooks up with pretty regularly. An artist that lives a couple doors down from her. His name is Joplin. He is a painter. Um, and, and it's kind of the same thing. You know, he knows about her addiction. Um, she talks about when she talks about like those days, how he gets a little cold and distant. So she's trying to figure out how to ask for help. But then she's afraid to because she will think that the people around her will think that she has failed in her sobriety. And that's got to be a tough spot to be in, like facing the yeah. supernatural while you're worried that everyone's going to think you're back to like junkie status. Right, because everything that is real is making you act in a way that makes you look crazy the way you would when you're using. Yeah. Yep. And just as a note, I don't know why it was mentioned a few times, the group of rain and yo-yo gay Bob and straight Bob is called, they, they call themselves the cracked world society. And basically it's like, um, these four addicts who are going through a similar thing and they know they can count on each other, that kind of thing. I had to uh, I had to appreciate the gay Bob straight Bob um, <laughs> scenario. Well, for the reason that it like that's I, it's a very real thing. Like I, I at one point in my life, I worked with two guys named Dan. One was gay and one wasn't. And I'll yeah. just I'll give you one guess. 
at how we referred to those people. Dan and gay Dan. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, and sometimes straight Dan. Like sometimes you would just throw that in there, like yep. just for emphasis to make sure that someone knew you were taught. Like if you need to be very concise, you wouldn't just say Dan. You'd say straight Dan. And I, I guess I'll I'll never forget. Um, this is, I worked at a retailer um, while this was going on, and I um, I actually said to, to to the gay Dan at one point, and I think for everybody else it was kind of like something you refer like behind his back. Yeah. And I was like, hey, gay Dan. This is what I need from you today or whatever. And, and there was shock and horror. And he said to me finally afterwards, yeah, not from him. He came up and he goes, you know what? I appreciate that because I know that's what everybody calls me, but no one will actually say it to me. And I was like, I, and I told him, I said, I won't say it around customers. You know, we're a friendly group of coworkers. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't have an issue. He didn't have an issue with it. But the shock of everybody around him when I said it was, I mean, it was palpable in the room. Like it was kind yeah. of a weird thing. So I, I appreciated that that's something that happens. And that was in yeah. this book that didn't feel it, 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 at all off, off kilter. Yeah, totally. And that's the thing. Like, I think that in that situation, you were being the most sensitive because if you're not going to say it around him, it almost makes it seem like you think that saying gay is a bad thing. Right. And it, all right. And, and to be fair, this was 20 <laughs> years ago. So this wasn't, you know, Last month. Oh, this you were was progressive. Was probably, yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's me. I'm very progressive. That was liberal. Liberal live. Correct. Hashtag yes. liberal live. So here, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this thing. We can't talk a lot about this because, like, uh, the the story that blossoms out of this lives in the spoilers big time. And so, um, some of the like, even some of the main characters or strong elements of the story, we're probably not going to talk about just because then we're basically telling you a good chunk of the story. So there's going to be some big spoiler talk for this one, I believe. And it's a, it's a goddamn shame too, because the body of this book lives in the things that we're not going to talk about. So here's, here's what I, I will say. It's probably the most supernatural heavy book we've read this year. Yes. Um, easily. Uh, it, uh, Let's say that it it might take place, and I don't even know if I'm saying this right, but like a kind of like a multidimensional sure. story with a lot of supernatural stuff. And again, some of that is alluded to in the in the um, synopsis. You know, the lady gives her the glasses, and with the glasses, she can see things that she can't see without them. Um, but it's uh, we live side by side with we'll say another realm, um, without spoiling too much. And this stuff comes up pretty early in the book and there are some mm -hmm. characters that were uh that i'd fucking love to talk about um <laughs> that 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 reside uh, kind of alongside us so to speak so spoiler talk will be very, very interesting the reason it makes me sad is that um I, I rob and i were talking before the the review and, and neither one of us is really sure where we landed on this book but i can first and i'm, I'm not sure i can say for certain that some of the best horror I have ever read lives inside this book. And it's in parts that we can't talk about, which is yeah. super fucking frustrating. Yeah. So I think that at least illustrating though, what the main beats of the plot are without being specific is, is something that we can do. So um, we know that rain has some weird shit start happening. And um, even the synopsis refers back to her, you know, the boy she gave up and, um, like missing time and some of the supernatural stuff. Here's what's going on. So as things get weirder for her, they start to get weirder for kind of like the people in her immediate radius as well. And the more it gets weird for them, the more they start to believe each other um, about what's going on. And it turns into a story that's basically like that it's slowly revealing itself as to like what's really going on. What is the good side? What is the bad side? Why are people doing what they're doing? Um, and as it slowly reveals itself, um, kind of momentum picks up towards like, all right, the, the picture's getting clearer. Now we, we, we need to figure out what the hell to do about it. And then, so that's kind of like the, the bulk of the story. And I know that's like probably the most generic description you can give, but <laughs> I feel like that's the best way I could represent what kind of story it is without telling you literally anything about it. Ah, <laughs> uh, sometimes it's tough doing what we do. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess we should just go over a spoiler talk, and then maybe we can come back and figure out what else we can't talk about. So, <laughs> yeah, because I have some general thoughts about like the characters that we can talk about and stuff. But I feel like, yeah, we'll do spoiler talk. 
we'll kind of solidify our, our stances on the book and come back. And once we've gotten all that stuff out, I think we'll be better at talking about what we, what we can spoil. All right. For the uninitiated spoiler talk happens over at patreon.com slash booked. All contributors at the level of $1 a month or more have access to spoiler talk. It's happening more and more, the more books we do. Um, and that's where we can go. And uh, again, it's not, uh, this, this isn't um, a money grab. Rob and I are probably going to go spend, I'm guessing, 20 minutes talking about the things we can't talk about here. Um, partially, so we have someone else to talk about it with. And sometimes, very often, it changes our opinion on things, too, to kind of be able to hash it out. So we're going to go do that uh, right now. No time will be lost whoa. for you. Oh, whoa. I'm breaking in. Before we go there, since we're talking about Patreon, I want to welcome two new Patreon uh, contributors that just happened since the last episode where we talked about Frank Edler joining the Patreon. So it's really, it's catching some steam here. One last week to this week. If you follow like the Fibonacci sequence, there's three next week. That's just how it's going to go. Um, so <laughs> I think the, the, the Fibonacci, yeah, that, yeah. One plus it's, two, three. Yep. Yep. And then the, the, next the number five, plus right? the number yeah, behind, yep. before it. Yeah. That kind of thing. But anyway, um, I'm not a, we should get Trumbly back on the podcast. Talk about that. So welcome to our new Patreon uh, uh, contributors, the Postman and Joey. Um, very, very thankful. Hopefully that you'll uh, enjoy all the spoiler talk we just uh, we've already done. And then I want to mention um, there was a guy that I I was talking to at Rob Roberge's book launch for Liar, who tweeted mm-hmm. who tweeted at us uh, just the other day that he was listening to us and um, uh, specifically the Duchovny interview uh, because based on our conversation, I recommended it. So um, DM Barnish, uh, thanks for listening. I hope you're enjoying what we do. Very cool. Um, Rob may break in with more news, um, but uh, until he comes up with some, we're going to head over to spoiler talk. Oh, wait, no, let's go. All right. So we're back from spoiler talk. Um, I, I was pretty accurate. I think we did about 20 minutes over there on uh, on the rest of this book, which makes coming back here so much harder because now we have to censor ourselves. Which is funny because we always we actually had to end up censoring ourselves in the spoiler we, talk, but for different reasons. Um, correct. So, uh, yeah, it's wrap up time unless you had quotes or anything you wanted to go into. Yeah, there are a couple things. Um, I just wanted to mention there's a there's a. a there's an area in the book that they go to that's all like nightclubs and discos and stuff. And, you know, there's a place called Unlovelies. That might be the best name <laughs> ever for like a bar or a nightclub. So I, I really every time I read that, I know it comes up like three times in the book. I was really super impressed. Um, Yeah, some of the writing. So it's it's. The book's well written in general but and we talked about this a little bit in spoiler talk it does have um interludes so where it goes back in time and it does it by like section of the book so um the first whatever part part one of the book like the interludes are rain um previous rain like earlier rain so when she's 16 and and faced um with with having a baby um like two or three years ago when she's um at an na meeting you know what i mean Part two covers some other people. Um, part three covers different characters and stuff. But each time it's written in a different voice, which I think was done really, really well. Yeah. Um, like the, the book has its own flow. And it's very clear that it's written in the same voice. But the interludes are written differently depending on who they cover. Um, so I wanted to mention that. Um, in one of these, there is a... Uh, there's a woman that's mentioned, and I just thought this line was great. So without spoiling anything, I'll ad lib here at the little bit uh, at the beginning a little bit. Or maybe the woman grinning through her red lipstick, green eyes filled with malice and bad ideas. Yep, that's that's phenomenal stuff. That's good stuff. And then uh, let me take another look. I think I had one more thing. I have a lot of notes, but a lot of like one of them is just the dance never stopped. He said, dance for your life. (laughs) Fuck you. All right. All right. Here. Um, uh, He uh, name dropped um, uh, Christopher Moore, Lamb, the gospel according to Biff, Christ childhood pal. So that was uh, that was cool. Um, Yeah, that was one of the quotes at the beginning of a a part of the book, right? That's yes. That's what it was. Yeah. So, which is, uh, which is awesome. Cause that is one of my all time favorite books. Um, now I guess the other stuff I have is a little too spoilery stuff about scalpels and time, which was really, really cool. Yes. yes. Yeah. Um, 
And there's some really dark shit in there. So I, I feel like I should address the fact that, um, how do I say this tactfully? Very clearly, this is a fiction book. I don't think it's meant to glorify anything at all. Not the drug use, not the whatever. But there is some stuff that happens with young children um, that's really, really dark. Uh, so as a word of warning, if you're super sensitive to that kind of thing, maybe this isn't the right thing for you. I will say that within those sections, again, I said it earlier, lies some of the best horror that I've ever, ever read. And I can't say that passionately enough. Like, I was really wowed. I've been a fan of Jonathan Mayberry's writing. And no matter where I land on this book overall, I want to stress that um, inside that guy's mind probably lays the best horror novel of all time, if, if he set himself to do that. There you go. So wow. that's kind of all I've got on the, the book before we get to actual wrap I say, that ups. sounded a lot like a wrap-up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, most of it will probably serve for a wrap-up. But um, is that where we're at? Are we wrapping up now? Yeah, go for it. All right, so remember what I just said. The best horror ever lies inside the pages of this book. Rob and I did all kinds of math over in Spoiler Talk, and, and we came up with 80% of this book is great, and I sadly can't tell you why. <laughs> that's that's the thing that sucks the most. Let's just say that there is a very um, vivid and eclectic cast of characters. There are some supernatural elements um, that are multi-layered, which I really, really liked. Um, and the book also feels familiar in that some of these elements I've read in other books. And I'm not saying that Mayberry took them from other books. I'm just saying it's hard to write a really, really original character. So some of the books that this reminded me of, um, uh, NOS 482, Nosferatu by Joe Hill, um, uh, Clive Barker's uh, the Harry Moore um, character that appeared in the movie Lord of Illusions, but he was in uh, The Great and Secret Show and Everville, I think, or maybe he was just in Everville. At any rate, he was in the, the Clive Barker book that we did review on the podcast, the final um, Pinhead book. What was that called? The Scarlet Gospels. Yes, Harry was in that. So some elements of that. So, I mean, there were things that were familiar. There's some Alice Cooper in there, the way I see it. Um, but it it all worked so well together and was written so, so wonderfully. That being said, I know Rob is probably going to mention this. We had some problems with the end of the book, some significant problems from our standpoint. Again, not something I'm going to cover here, but it's really, really tough because part of this is some of the best horror I've ever read. And some of it didn't hit the mark for me. So, like, how do you do that math? Um, I will uh, land on something like this. I think that two or three years from now, I probably won't remember the stuff that I didn't like about this book, but there are passages in this book that'll probably stick with me for years and years to come. So um, I would, if I could, if I could make a few changes in this book, this would be a five-star book. And chances are my favorite nominee for the Stoker award, um, probably my favorite book of 2019. That being said, I can't do that. Um, so I'm going to deduct a full one star um, for the stuff I didn't like in this book. And, and that it troubles me to say that because the rest of it was so great, but I'm going to go with four stars. All right. I uh, didn't know where you were going to land. I, I thought you were going to land a little lower than that. So uh, we read a different Mayberry book in the past. And we, uh, from what I remember, really enjoyed it because, uh, and I think one of the things that I remember most from that was how creative he got with a, a genre that was just, so ubiquitous at the time, which was zombies. And he did stuff with zombies that um, was very creative and uh, it added to a very compelling story. I think he did a lot of that here for reasons I can't talk about. <laughs> um, and Livius and I will probably talk about this uh, off podcast, off spoiler talk, but um, there was, there, like Livius said, there's a lot of, homages or tropes that you see in other similar style stories, but that doesn't necessarily mean the story is not original. I thought it was really well done. And honestly, some of the characters uh, that were like secondary or tertiary in the story felt strong enough to be as if they were borrowed from another book that they had their own story in. Um, and I think Livius will agree with me. Um, one of the characters, I feel like he could very well be the protagonist of another story we haven't read, and he just showed up as a supporting character in this book. A lot of the book is 
very strong, very well written uh, and compelling. Uh, dark, creepy, scary. Didn't want to go into my bathroom. Felt vulnerable. Um, he had a lot of very good effects. It really all kind of dwindled for me in the the ending of the book. And he had to make a choice. He chose to tell the story he did. It's not the story I wanted it to be. Um, and so it's going to, it's going to suffer a little bit in my review because of that. Um, will it not be an entertaining story? I, I don't think so. I think anybody could pick up this book. And even if they like me, don't disagree, don't agree with the way that the story ended, they'll still think, wow, that was a really entertaining story. So like Livius, we're, we're both defending the book against ourselves almost because like, I, I, I feel like Jonathan Mayberry wrote an excellent story 80% of the way. Um, I had some specific objections to the way the plot turned out. There was nothing really confusing or poorly written. It was all very well written. It was just like some plot direction that I thought could have been served well to go differently. Um, that being said, while Olivius was giving his wrap up, I was kind of just glancing at the bio for Jonathan Mayberry and I wrote, and, and, and I was reminded something that I don't really think about him as, and that's as a comic book writer. And I started to put the story in the context of if I wrote a lot of comic books, this ending would seem way more natural for me to write than if I was a straight like fiction horror writer. Or if I was a reader of comic books, the type of ending that we got might seem more common or less off kilter for me. So it might be that. I'm one of the people of his audience that doesn't react to that type of ending as well. So I think I'm going to give him even more leeway than Livius did, because even going through spoiler talk and stuff, we celebrated so much more than we complained about. And so, uh, yeah, I'm going 4.25. That is very surprising. <laughs> um, I want to amend my wrap up a little bit <laughs> and to say this. I think that if you are a horror writer, and certainly I don't encourage anyone to, um, you know, to, to plagiarize or to let someone else's writing influence, whatever, you know what I mean? But like y'all motherfuckers need to read this to, to really see. Rob says I'm jaded. We've read horror books where we've had an argument. I said, I, don't, I didn't think it was an actual horror book. And Rob right. is like, you just I'm desensitized. Like some of these passages are so well done. Um, that I, I really think it's required reading for anybody who's looking to really um, affect somebody. I don't even want to say terrify somebody or anything like that because it wasn't terrified by anything in the book. But, I mean, there were some passages in there that had some gravity to them that were just fucking amazing, man. I agree. I totally agree. Wait, did you – so you're just amending – you're not amending yeah, your... I just, I just, Yeah, I just wanted to throw that in there. As, like I said, the more I thought about it, the more I thought, like, I can't say enough about – Yeah like what he was able to do I read some Amazon reviews and I'm, I'm not going to read any of them here, but like some of the one star reviews, because of course those are always the most fun to read, right? Like they cite some of the same things that you and I do. Um, but man, to give it one, to give this book one star, yeah. I, I don't, I can't process that. I just can't process it. And, it's not objectively possible based on the fact that I've read it and I know how good it is. <laughs> That's yeah, that's the whole thing, you know, um, I, I, I don't know. And it's it's tough because when you have to land and I mentioned this a little bit in spoiler talk, too, but I used to read books. And if you would have said um, to me before, like, what do you think of the book? I'd But I probably would have just said, hey, it was great. It's a great book, right. man. Some issues with the ending, but it was great. But when you have to assign a number to it, now you have to start doing like weird math and like you have to pull out the, the scales, right? Like Lady Justice and you have to put the good stuff on one side, then you got to put the bad stuff on the other and kind of see where you end up. And it's a, uh, you know, what was me, right? Podcaster problems. Like sometimes yeah. it's really tough to come up with, with, with that equation. I was thinking about that too. And, and not to get too far down a rabbit hole, but like there's um, just the, the, the the part of assigning a number to something. I think we assign a number to something because it's something that is universally understood, but it doesn't tell the story as well as talking about the book does. Um, so if we, and I think that's one of the reasons why we don't emphasize our rating system anywhere on our social media or like, you know, our website or anything is because it's not as important as talking about the book. 
Um, like I, when I was trying to buy a new car, I watched a bunch of, you know, YouTube, you know, videos about cars. And oftentimes they would have rating systems where they would break it down into categories and give numbers and an overall score. And great. You know, that was, it was a comprehensive way to look at something, but it didn't help as much as hearing someone say like what the ride felt like, if that makes sense. And so, um, a rating system is kind of necessary, but it's also like if, if, if we were to go back and look at all the books that all 249 now that we've reviewed for the podcast and look at all the ratings we gave them, we'd be like, why the hell did I give that this and this <laughs> other one that except for yeah. zoo by Patterson? We, we, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, it, it's, so it's a couple of things, right? Like I am sure that I have rated other books that are not as good as this book, five stars, but you know what? Maybe they were more enjoyable. Like there's that, and I, I know I've talked about it before, right? Enjoyable versus good. Yeah. Um, I, the book we're going to be reviewing next week, I don't know if it's a good book, but it's goddamn enjoyable, right? Yeah. Like yeah. that, I, the, you know what I mean? So if I put up, and, and I'll just spoil it now while we're talking about it, right? Apathy and Other Small Victories versus Glimpse, and you said, which one's the better book? Yeah. And I said, well, you mean better like good? It's Glimpse. <laughs> <laughs> but apathy and other small victories is one of my all-time favorite books yeah so you know i i couldn't like if you asked me on a good scale to give them a number based on how i thought like how well written they were how deep the story were how the story affected me i'm gonna rate glimpse higher but there's no way when you ask me you know if you ask me right now name your top five books glimpse isn't in there but yeah. apathy is you yeah. know what i mean so it's a, it's a weird balancing act of some of it's what you're doing at the time like you know a book that can get me to chuckle out loud three or four times it's probably going to get five goddamn stars because it's not easy to do yeah and then you have to measure like um you have to measure the audience the way when we interviewed becky spratford and she was talking about how she recommends books she starts by asking what do you want to read um so we're giving we're assigning a number that everybody has to take regardless of how much they would even receive the book. So sure. <laughs> we're basically saying that this whole thing is a sham. Yeah. I mean, podcasting in general is a sham if nobody else is caught on. <laughs> and I only say that because I realized that we've been podcasting for eight years and, and now there's nobody that you could say podcast to that doesn't know what you're talking about. But we had to do a lot of explaining about what a goddamn oh podcast God. was eight years yeah. ago. And yet, yet, we're not the least successful podcast on the Internet. It's true. But, but we're definitely lower in the ranks than, than some podcasts that have popped up in the last, you know, two, three years, four years or whatever. So I, I, I will say I do get a lot less. Um, uh, I haven't watched your blog. Yeah. 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 Well, I can't wait to watch your podcast. Yeah, you're gonna have to yeah. wait a really you're, long yeah. time. Yeah, <laughs> you better wait. Our podcast is available on YouTube. It's really just a graphic of our podcast name and then us talking. So if you want to yeah. watch our podcast, that is totally something you can do. Yeah, there you go. Two hundred and fiftieth book, my friend. Apathy and other small victories, which is just yep. so right that that's what we do. Um, well, I'm sure we'll talk about you know its its origin in our lives um, uh, next week. Um, so I won't spend a lot of time on it right, right now. Is there anything you wanted to talk about before we uh, before we get out of here? Yeah, I think we've talked about it off podcast, but I just want to talk about how how enthusiastic I am right now about the TV show. What we do in the shadows. <laughs> it's funny. And uh, see, now I'm still trying not to spoil this goddamn book, but <laughs> I know that's that's why I brought it up. <laughs> I have seen all three episodes. I think it's on tonight, right? Is yeah, Wednesday yep, night? So I've tonight. not seen episode four. But yeah, I have seen all three episodes. And I'll tell you, I'm with you. I'm really enjoying it. Um, the, the crazy thing, well, I like the fact that um, it retains Taika Waititi um, from the movie. And I think Jermaine from Flight of the Concords also wrote for the movie, right? Oh, he was in it. I don't know what any of this means. Taika Waititi was the... Do you not know who that is? No. He's the guy that directed the Thor Ragnarok movie. Oh, okay. Um, and he... Hang on. He... I think he wrote... Did he write? I know he directed the movie. 
and he's like a producer on this or something. He's just an awesome dude. Gotcha. Uh, he played. Oh, he was in the movie. He played Viago. Which one was Viago? Um, the one that looks like Taika Waititi. <laughs> there you go. Well, anyway, see, you said that, and I was like, I don't think there's anybody from the movie in this. No, no, in the new series, there's not. It's an entirely because the right. yeah, but um. Uh, oh, he was the, the Viago was the the main guy, the yeah. the, the kind of goofy, yeah. really shirt wearing guy. Okay, yeah, and um, yeah, Jermaine Clement was one of the other ones with the top hat. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what was it getting at? Oh, um, because they're involved in the TV show, the TV show has practically identical, um, like sensibility and humor and all that stuff. Like it carries over very well from the movie, mm-hmm. um, which was the absolute strong point of the movie. Um, and it's just fucking entertaining. It's so funny. <laughs> the dog toy. Come on. Yeah, I, I don't. Um, I have trouble with comedy TV shows in that I don't find them funny. So I'll go back to what I said a few minutes ago. If you get me to chuckle out loud like twice in a half hour TV show, yeah. I'm on board. I'm on board like 100 percent on board. And I am with this one. I, I absolutely adore um, what we do in the shadows, of the TV show. And that Guillermo dude. The little mm-hmm. weenie, like familiar yep. guy. He's great. Yep. Yeah. So I, I, yeah, I'm just recommending anybody who is down for the, like the humorous kind of awkward humorous thing, but like with the vampire slash werewolf thing going on. Um, it's just so fucking entertaining. I, um, it's interesting and, and I'm going to spoil a little bit if you haven't heard it, but or if you haven't seen it yet, but the, um, so the, the character, I don't remember his name, the one who's the energy vampire. First of all, I thought that was, yeah, fucking brilliant to do that (laughs) but you know those first two episodes you're really not you really don't get the sense that he's necessarily a supernatural character (laughs) right like he's just the world's most boring fucking dude (laughs) he's like awesome he's like so many people i work with yeah yeah in episode three obviously we we find out that 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 is a supernatural ability that he has which is perfectly fine i mean i'm okay with it either way um but yeah, I just what a great addition to to the you know the existing storyline of having you know what were four tra- very traditional vampires living together, or three vampires in a modern day like uh, Energy, Toby yeah. in the office kind exactly. of character. Yeah. yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah, I can't tell you how many conversations I've been in where someone is just like talking the soul out of me. So it's just such a dead on character. It's so good. Yeah, um, probably some of the most clever writing on TV right now. I agree. So, uh, Brad, while we're on TV, you know, winter is here. Um, I know that you're talking about Game of Thrones. Now, do you, are you a, you don't watch that though, right? Yeah, I do. Absolutely, I do. Are you serious? Are you? Yeah. Uh, uh, yep. So, did you like on Sunday night? I did. Um, watch it. Wow. For for the first time, I actually watched it um, live. Uh, just because the spoilers for that show are so brutal and yep. it's the final season. So really, uh, um, you know, what am I going to say? Am I a huge, huge fan? No. As a matter of fact, I used to watch episodes like basically a week in arrear. Sometimes I'd let two or three pile up before. But um, yeah, the spoiler culture online is uh, is a terrible thing. So for this last season, I said, all right, as much as I can, I'm going to try to watch them Sunday night. If not, I usually work late Monday. So maybe I'll watch them on Monday morning, but um, I'm not, you know, the biggest. I enjoy the show. Um, I don't own any Game of Thrones merchandise. I haven't named a dog (laughs) after a dragon or, you know, or anything like that. But um, I I do like the show. I think that there's uh, some really interesting things in it. Um, A lot of them you would know from the questions that we had kind of set up for George R.R. Martin in our failed attempt at an interview. Um, There's some really good stuff happening there. But I, I wanted to mention it because I've been seeing the the memes of, uh, you know, I'm vegan, the, the new version of I'm vegan is I've never seen Game of Thrones. So I wanted to yeah. give you a chance to, to you know, tell oh. people that you've never seen Game of Thrones. <laughs> well, you know, I, you know, I watched the first three seasons, right? No, I didn't. I knew you watched some of it. I thought it was like maybe the first season. I did not know you watched that deep into it. This is actually pretty podcast relevant. So uh, a friend of mine uh, at work uh, named Mike huge game of thrones fan we we were just chatting about you know uh he knows i love books and he's like if i wanted to read a book what would it be and so i told him i, I made the mistake of recommending a book that i love that is probably not for the average consumer uh and we kind of made a deal what what book uh raw shark texts oh, okay got it good 
little complicated for a casual or a non-reader who's trying to dip their toes. Um, I, I just I hit him with the full fire hose, and I should have like you know what I'm saying. I yeah, I know, I know. Backed it off a little bit. So the the deal was, I'd watch Game of Thrones if he read the book. So I lent him the book. I start watching the show. I watch the first season. Uh, he gets twenty pages into the book and gives it back. Douchebag. He just couldn't get into it. He said it was very confusing, and I was like, "All right, maybe I should have given him a you know a more approachable book." Uh, and I was like, "Well, I guess that works out because I'm really not enjoying this show." And he's like, "No, trust me. You just watch season two. You're gonna fucking love it." <laughs> so I Look, watched season. <laughs> this son of a bitch. No offense, Mike. He wants you to commit sixteen hours. <laughs> 16 to 20 hours, but he put a whopping like 24 minutes yeah. into reading Rush Shark Text. Oh, yeah. Totally That's unbalanced. Right there. Totally yeah. unbalanced uh, uh, trade off there. Uh, so I watch all of season two. Just, I, I, don't, I don't want, I want my objections to be as pure as possible. So I get to the end of it and I'm like, dude, it's just, it's not working. It's pissing me off. I don't like the story. I think it's boring. He's like, no, no, no. Trust me. Just watch season three. <laughs> So I did. And so finally I was like, fuck it. Nothing. No more. After season three, I was like, no, I just don't like the show. I I went way further than I should have. I don't like the show. So, but now I feel like I can complain about it uh, from an educated perspective because I've watched close to half of it. No, I would say if you're three seasons in then saying you don't like it is definitely a fair, a fair. I'm surprised quite frankly, because I think that it's um, one of the more, I don't want to say literary, but one of the more that's more story structured like a book. Sure. Um, and not just because it's based on books, but the you're following, you know, whatever, by season three, probably eight different characters. And, you know, their storylines are going to converge at some point kind of thing. Yeah. You know, so I think it's 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 filmed very much as it's probably written. I haven't and I'm not going to read the books. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm really surprised that you dislike it that much. I, I thought you just hadn't watched, you know, that you watched a couple episodes and just couldn't get into it. And, you know, that wouldn't be a fair place to really make an assessment, you know, oh, the yeah. entire series. But at three episodes, <laughs> yeah, you're, 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 yeah, that's, that's plenty. Yeah. And I don't, I, I, if no one probably cares about my objections to it, but um, I think it came down to the, by the end of season three, and I'm sure people will disagree with me who are fans of it. I felt like, I, I kept having to invest in no payoff. Like nothing continued to happen. There was a lot of things going on, but like there was like, and the plot continued to introduce new things. Mm -hmm. And I, I felt like nothing, even though so much was happening, nothing was happening. It was like a room full of people waiting for someone to make a point. <laughs> <laughs> like everybody's small talking because they don't want to be the one that starts the speech like that kind of thing i t i totally get what you're saying um like seasonality so even bigger tv shows typically tend to introduce a story and then mostly close out said yeah. story within a season and yeah game of thrones is like one really long fucking season yeah and i'm just not having it like yeah. it's yeah. it just doesn't work for me so i i don't I don't. I'm not the kind of guy that's like, oh, you like it? It's stupid. So you're stupid. Uh, I, but I, I will be very, you know, I, I won't hide the fact that I, I don't, I didn't care for it. I just think it's funny that there are people out there that had not seen it, and then before the newest season, the final season, like we're like, all right, I'm gonna get all caught up right now, and then those people fucking get online. And post about, you know, they do the thing, right? The thing that drives me nuts. Like, I know you, you just discovered something that started seven years ago. Right. But it's not exciting for us to know that you're enjoying something that we were excited about, oh, seven years ago. Like, you, a lot of times, like, I think with this show, too, I probably didn't jump on until season two. And I probably benefited from having that running start of not, like, one a week from yeah. the beginning. I don't know if I would have stuck with it either. Um, you know, but, but having, you know, being able to binge watch eight, 10 episodes, whatever it was, I was invested enough that when season two rolled around, you know, then I could do the, the week by week, or like I said, sometimes I'd stack two or three episodes or, or whatever, and I can watch it that way. But now, man, Sunday nights, I'll be in front of my, uh, in front of my TV. You know what the real fucking wild thing about Game of Thrones is? Tell me. If you go to, uh, the beginning of our podcast within the first probably eight episodes, 
I know we had a conversation saying, yeah, there's this new TV show coming out called Game of Thrones, and it looks really interesting. <laughs> so we've existed longer than Game of Thrones. Well, there you go. There's you... a lot of things we've existed longer than. Uh, so yeah. pretty weird. All right. Pretty weird. Um, I have nothing else on TV that I'm into or excited about. Um, I will say from a movie standpoint, though, it looks like we will see Three from Hell from Rob Zombie like September-ish. Oh, did it get a date or it's just kind of... Yeah, like a loose date. But yeah, September is what I saw online. So that's very exciting because we will be doing a uh, movie review for that, I'm sure. Oh, yes, absolutely. That's cool. I'm sure we'll we'll go sit in the recliner seats and watch that uh, opening weekend or, or whatever. Very exciting. I'll try to loop in another random friend into the viewing, too. Of course. (laughs) Of course. So, yeah, next week, Apathy and Other Small Victories by Paul Nealon. Super, super excited. I'm assuming you have a paper copy of this, don't you? I do. First edition. Hardcover. I I don't. Um, By the way, getting a hardcover now is $30.50 on uh, on, uh, Amazon. So I think uh, I think I got mine at a half price books like a few months ago for like six dollars. Nice. I um I don't know. I mean I I sure I mean I read it digitally, so I have to say I'm sure I could just re-download it or whatever. But that's gonna be our next review. That's one of the first books Rob and I remember um talking about together, and it's been mentioned on this podcast a lot. That came out June of two thousand and seven. So uh, oh. older older than the podcast, yeah. That's yep. around the time Raw Shark Text came out, too. It was a good year for books. It was a very good year. If I didn't realize that. But, yeah, that was a very good year for books. So that'll be our 250th book review. I'm going to give you guys a big, fat spoiler. That's going to get five motherfucking stars from both of us. <laughs> Can we just both give a rating now? I'm going to give it five Yeah, yeah. I would like stars. to give that book five stars right, for yeah, sure. Yeah. So, see, we <laughs> saved that awkward part where we have to review our uh, reveal our uh, – our stars for for the book so uh um if you you have time to hop on amazon pick up the kindle edition read along which is something that would be great that uh that you can do so you've got plenty of time to do that until next week uh if you have nothing else rob then i think uh i think that's it absolutely that's wrapping it up for this uh this week i'm gonna go watch some what we do in the shadows until next time i'm rob olson and i'm livia snedden keep reading